what happens when we get quiet, push past the distractions of the world around us and the noise within us, and come face to face with whatever lies deep inside. What monsters are waiting for us when we turn the volume down and listen to what is whispering beneath the hubbub? And how can we be sure that they're monsters at all, and not instead angels, keen to shine a light on our true authentic selves? What happens when we shed all that we are not and tune into everything that we really are? I'm Chris Brock, and this is Conversations on Living, a podcast about how to be well, do well, and live well. And these are just a few of the questions that I tackle in today's episode with spiritual psychologist and author of the book Original Wisdom, Harness the Power of the Authentic You, Donna Bond. Donna believes that if we can harness the courage to push past the fear, push past the cultural, societal, and experiential programming of the ego mind, and tap into the intrinsic, essential self that lies beneath, then we can live much more in alignment with who we came here to be. And the rewards of a life in alignment are very much worth the journey to get there. You can find out more about Donna at her website, donnabond.com. And before we get into that, just a quick word about Plane. Plane is the meditation game. If you're interested in learning about meditation or mindfulness, but don't know where to begin, and if video games are your thing, then Plane could really be the thing for you. It's worth checking out. It uh, encourages you to learn basic mindfulness and meditation techniques using the, a game environment where you're encouraged to nurture a beautiful meditative landscape. You can find out more about Plane at Plane.co. That's P-L-A-Y-N-E. Uh, .co, or you can just search for meditation game and it's usually the first one to pop up. And also a quick word about this podcast, uh, Conversations on Living. You can find out more about it at conversationsonliving.com where you'll find all our previous episodes. Also, there's my writings, there are some meditations there and also uh, information about my books. And if you want a, a nice, tasty, free download, then you can also sign up to my newsletter, which I try and send out about once a month uh, as and when. Sometimes I miss a month, sometimes I don't, but, uh, but definitely worth signing up to as it has lots of useful stuff on there. And that's about all for now. Uh, time to get into that conversation with Donna Bond. And this is a really good one. So I encourage you to stick with it till the end. Thanks a lot. Donna, thank you for uh, joining me on the podcast today. You are a catalyst for personal transformation. That's how you describe yourself. You're um, a kind of uh, spiritual and business coach, the author of the book, Original Wisdom, Harness the Power of the Authentic You. And uh, you've you kind of help people on a journey of transformation to tap into their own kind of inner wisdom. Um, and you've been on this journey yourself. So before I, I start doing all the talking, maybe it's best if, if you give us a little bit of an introduction about where your kind of life has come from up till now, your journey, all that kind of stuff. And then we'll, we'll get into this conversation about tapping into our authentic selves. Yeah, Chris, thank you so much for having me. Really, it's my honor and privilege to be on your show. And I'm really grateful to have this time with you today. So thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, so I have been on this journey, gosh, it's been a decade now, which is kind of crazy, you know, when, when I stop and look behind me and um, realize all of the changes that I have moved myself through and all of my own personal transformation that I have been on and sort of who I was and who I am and um, and the journey never ends, right? Like there's this whole nother epic chapter that's about to unfold, but, um, you know, to kind of go back 10 years ago, I was working as a corporate marketing executive in the hospitality industry. I was working for the Ritz Carlton at the time. 
and I had my 44th birthday and that was the age that my father was when he died. And so suddenly I had this like really big sense of urgency around life and like, what was I doing here? And what was the purpose of all of this? And you know, showing back up in the, in the corporate arena day after day and writing another marketing plan and another budget. And, you know, just being on that rat wheel suddenly was so constrictive and so contractive. And so I went crying to a psychic, like I had done many times before in my life. And this woman, she said, Donna, they're spelling it out for me spiritual psychology. And I said, what in the hell is spiritual psychology? And after months of conversation with an admissions counselor, because my ego, you know, had 101,000 reasons why not to do something like that. um, I enrolled myself in a master's program in spiritual psychology at the university of Santa Monica. And that was a journey in. It was a journey into me. I was the curriculum. I was the subject matter. I was the homework. And um, it has been the framework by which I have completely changed my entire life from the inside out. And so I've been, uh, I stepped down from my role at the Ritz-Carlton back in 2014. And I I originally hung out a shingle as a marketing consultant, uh, because at the time there was not one bone in my body that could fathom, you know, sort of being a coach. And I was in a big leadership position leading you know, a big organization and many, many people. And so if someone had told me at the time, like, oh yeah, you're going to be working one-on-one with people in these beautiful, sacred, private uh, conversations, I would have said, there's no way that that's going to happen, you know? (laughs) So um, yeah, that's how it all began. So, and and then you kind of went on this journey, I guess, into making it a reality. So you did your MA and then you went on this journey of helping other people kind of dig into their spiritual psychology. Was there, I've heard people say kind of, you have to embrace your cringe, you know, and it's, it's like you've gone from marketing and it's a very kind of um, material world kind of job, you know, very matter of fact, very stats, very data, very kind of, you know, in, in the real world to something really quite spiritual, really quite psychological it's a different plane of kind of reality if you like a different way of thinking was there a kind of a fear that you're like people are going to think I'm I've gone woo-woo or gone bonkers oh yeah yeah so yeah and I mean what what kind of because I mean that's enough to stop people doing stuff what was it about this kind of calling if you like that you said okay people are going to cringe but I'm going to do it anyway Yeah, Um, there is definitely a, um, like the death of your identity, you know, I I don't know what else, how else to describe it. And um, in this master's program that I was in, at one point, I was sitting in an intimate conversation with someone else and out of my mouth fell 
this sentence, like, I want to be a spiritual teacher and, you know, I want to, I want to do this work with people and just hearing myself say that there was a certain element of shock. And I think what happens, Chris, as we give ourselves permission to align ourselves with the calling of our authentic self, of our original wisdom, of our soul, if you want to think about it that way, as we give ourselves permission to really lean into that in a greater way, we have to, you know, peel back the layers. And there is, you know, we call it an ego death. There is, and maybe this is why it's called transformation, right? There is this shedding of what we knew ourselves to be and how we operated in the world. And that begins to fall away. And there is definitely a grieving process that takes place around that. And I can remember being in such shock that this would even come out of my mouth. You know, it's like, who said that? You know, I don't even, I don't even know who said that because the part of me that was coming into that realization was not the part of me that, you know, marched off to corporate America every day and ran a marketing organization. So um, I do remember a grieving process and just, uh, I don't know that despair is really the right word, but there was definitely emotional pain as I went through the process of letting go of that no of, of that identity, you know, of who I thought myself to be. And uh, yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm pausing and I'm laughing because it never really ends. You know, once we step on a journey like this and we open ourselves to that authentic self, um, the authentic self is here to reveal itself at any cost, at any cost. And it doesn't really care about the plans that our ego has. It reminds me a little bit of um, Muji. I don't know if you know Muji. Oh, um, yeah. oh yes. But he says, you know, step into the fire of, of self-discovery. It will not burn you. It'll burn everything you are not, you know. Yeah. And then Pema Chodron as well, the, yeah. the kind of Buddhist writer, she says, you know, we must mm-hmm. expose ourselves to annihilation over and over again um, until the only thing that is left is that part of us, which is invincible, you know, that that kind of indestructible yeah. part of ourselves. Yes. And, you know, but what, but why, why is it so important to, to do that kind of difficult and painful work? Why do we need to align ourselves with who, who we truly are and not just go along with this kind of ego identity that perhaps yeah. is a little bit of our culture, a little bit of society, a little bit of our, our past experiences and traumas and, you know, everything else. Why is it so important to align with who we really are? Yeah. Well, you know, we don't need to. We don't need to, and not everyone in this life will choose to do that. And I really do look at it as a choice. Um, you know, I hear that word annihilation. It makes me think of Andrew Harvey, right? He's, and I don't know if you know of Andrew Harvey, who's also a great spiritual teacher of our time, but 
uh, I'm almost having an awareness around this in this moment that uh, the annihilation is not something that we would ever opt into, right? Because we even we even hear that word, and it's like, oh God, no, you know, I'm not going to annihilate myself. I I I I couldn't do that, and so our logical ego mind can't actually opt into an experience like that. Like, I, I don't know that it's possible that we opt into an experience like that. Um, from my own personal experience, the best way that I can describe it is it's more of a surrender. It's more of a process of free falling and not that I'm giving up because giving up is a construct of the ego, right? It's like the ego can't get its way. So it throws its hands up and says, oh, you know, I give up. But surrender is when we turn it over. And that's really what this is. It's like, I have turned it over. I've turned my life over to the divine, to my higher power, whatever that is for whatever your list, you know, for any of your listeners, whether that's God, whether that's the universe, whether that's, you know, however they want to refer to it, it's different for everybody. But I am in a place in my own life and what I have been through where it became about surrender. And so it's in that surrender that the annihilation takes place, but it's not something that I would have ever consciously chosen to do. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because I mean, um, the Buddhists will tell us that, you know, attachment is suffering. Yeah. And we're attached to all of this kind of stuff, our, our career goals, our values, our who we think we are, um, the yeah. things that we, we kind of pretend are important. And then the, the things that actually are important, you know, so many different things we're attached to our suffering. We're attached to the things that hurt us because at least we know what those things are. You know, we're, we're attached to, we're, we're just attached left, right and center. We're attached to stuff. And so you kind of have to kind of say, well, hang on, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to, I'm going to, there's a bit of forgiveness in there. There's a bit of, you said it was painful. The experience you went through, you know, you have to kind of just say, I'm going to stop grasping for a minute and just, kind of put my faith in whatever's gonna whatever's gonna come and that can be terribly frightening i guess but also very liberating and very freeing yes. um, I, I can't remember who it was a, a very clever person once said you know that the, the big problem is uh, or the bad news is you're falling through the air and um, there's nothing that's going to stop you the good news is there's no ground you know right. so it just you've got to kind of give up give yourself up to this kind of free fall of just surrender yeah but what does what does your life look like when you when you do that when you do tap into that that power of the authentic you what is what is so powerful about it what does what transformation does that offer and what what is so enticing about doing that yeah well um i want to uh nod to drs ron and mary holnick at the university of santa monica um who coined the term the divine unknowing and that's what we're talking about, right? This space of this free fall that has no bottom to it. It's the divine unknowing. And I think being in the divine unknowing for our authentic self is, um, you know, it's like air to the lungs. It's, it is uh, 
what's true. It's, it's what's true. And the soul comes here for that, for the expression of whatever's going to come through the ego and the personality. And it can only really happen in the divine unknowing because we have to let go of all of our attachments. And um, in my own life, I'll give you a sort of a recent example of what it looks like to be in that space. You know, in addition to the letting go of who I think I am and what I think I have to do and, you know, what I think normal participation in society is, um, it's really taking my cues from the universe and um, without going into a whole big long story, my husband and I had some land in Costa Rica fall into our lap. It was given to us, two and a half acres of land. And my husband said, come on, let's build a house. Let's build a house. I said, oh, we don't have any money to build a house. We're not going to build a house. We'll build a house when the money falls out of the sky. Well, hey, guess what, Chris? The money fell out of the sky. So we vision this house. We fly to Costa Rica in February of 2020, sign a contract with our builder, fly home to America, and they close the country. So we can't get into the country. And there's part of me that's saying, I don't want a house in Costa Rica. What the hell am I going to do with a house in Costa Rica? You know, we could do the rental, but we could go there on vacation or, you know, it sounds like a whole lot of work for me. And so I think to myself, there's no way that this train is going to stay on the track all the way through COVID. Like something's going to go wrong. This, this is never going to happen. Right. And so there's very little interference of any of it on my part. Because part of me is like sort of hoping that it's not going to really happen. But hey, guess what? We have this beautiful house now that has erected itself out of the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica. And my husband speaks fluent Spanish. Um, His mother is Mexican. He grew up in Laguna Beach, California. It would be very easy for him to sort of go live in this Central American country. And for me, it would be very difficult. But for the past couple of years now, we've been, you know, going back and forth to Costa Rica. And against all of my better knowing, against all of my logic, I have fallen deeper and deeper in love with Costa Rica. And we are now making the decision to go live there. There is nothing logical about this. It doesn't make sense for a million reasons that I could give you right here and now, yet there is this pull and there is this clear path that has presented itself. And I I think that that's one of the signs is, is that we get a clear path and the universe is supporting us in the direction that we're pulled in. And so it's easy, right? To just let go and surrender 
to the line of energy that you're being pulled along with. And in so doing, I continue to let go of the parts of me that I think that I know, (laughs) right? The part of me that's this Southern California based, you know, transformational life coach. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I know I'm, I'm all over the place today. (laughs) No, it's great because it reminds me there was a study done and I can't remember who did the study, but they looked at two types of people and there were those types of people who seemed to have all the luck things just went right for them and they and and there were other people who you know didn't have such kind of good fortune and they realized that people basically thought about life in two different ways so there was one way which is um that life is full of risk and that you know you have to be careful about what you do you have to be really kind of measured and um you know basically the world is inert and you have to make your own way by hook or by crook and really kind of you know you know don't take any chances um you know follow the path uh, well-trodden. But there are other people who see the world as, and they, the phrase they used was safe, enticing, and alive. And these are people who are open and they're open to opportunities and they're open to things that can happen. And it makes me think of, um, as a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of the band Blur, which is uh, back in the 1990s, there was this kind of very famous band called Blur with Damon Albarn and um, a guy called Alex James. And Alex James was the bass player, an incredibly lucky guy. And I always think about him because he was this kind of guy, he's happy-go-lucky, he goes through life and opportunities just come to him. But they're the kind of opportunities that come to all of us, but most of us are closed off to them. So, you know, someone comes along and says, do you want to be in our band? And if they were to say that to me at that age, I would have said, no, I'm sorry, I've got to focus on my career. I can't, I haven't got time to waste, you know, being in some band. Yet there he goes, he goes on to be this kind of, you know, award-winning band. And then next thing you know, he's he's a millionaire and he's someone offers him, he's left the band and someone offers him a, a cheese farm, you know, a farm making kind of these boutique cheeses. And I, I would be like, a cheese farm, don't, don't be ridiculous. Whereas he's like, well, I like cheese. And the next thing you know, he's got this amazing cheese farm and he's, you know, and he's following this just wherever life takes him. And he may or may not be a spiritual person, I don't know. But I think we have to open ourselves up. And by chipping away at those parts of our identity that keep us closed, um, by that keep our options small, we we don't necessarily see what that that clear path ahead, and yeah. and we certainly don't feel free enough to to take it. Yeah. And I think that is a it's a whether you're spiritual, whether you call yourself spiritual or not, I think that is a spiritual um, decision, a spiritual step you have to take to say, this is a bit scary, you know. But here is something. Or the here is an unknown, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk and go down into that unknown, and maybe yeah. I'll find out a part of me in the process. You know, I'll move to Costa Rica, see what happens, and uh, let the let the life come to me, that the the beautiful life come to me. So, you went on this journey. You went to Santa Monica University. You kind of had this calling. How can, you know, the the average person in their office, you know, they've been there maybe ten years punching punching away at the keyboard how can they transform their lives what what kind of steps can they take to turn things around and embrace something much more fulfilling and rewarding Mm. yeah I love your question well I think um when we're experiencing discontent in our life it's a key indicator that we are out of alignment in some way 
And what I have discovered to be the most amount of joy and aliveness in my life is when my thoughts, my feelings, my actions, and my behaviors are all sort of moving in the same direction, right? If I am going off to my job every day, but I get to my desk and I'm like, oh my God, I hate this. I don't want to be here. Well, that's a clue, right? But to your point, most of us, um, we are products of our upbringing. We are products of our learned behaviors. And so we we don't know how to color outside the lines. And so we often don't do it because we don't know how to do it. And it feels scary because we don't know how to do it. So I think one of the first things that we want to recognize is okay if we're, we're sensing into that comfortableness because we're willing to move into that uncomfortableness we're moving out of what's familiar. And that is a step towards aliveness. That is a step towards something new and different and interesting. And, you know, if you're not into something new and different and interest aliveness, then fine, you can stay right where you are. And this is where I go back to saying um, it's a choice right? Everything is a choice. The power of choice that we have in our life. I can choose to stay asleep and I can choose just to keep operating the same way that I always have my whole life, or I can choose something else. And there's always a million different options in front of us. We can't always see it that way, but the truth is when we can get really present, and of course, you know this, right? When we can get really present and we're in this now moment and we open ourselves to higher guidance and wisdom coming in from the part of our being that really has the keys to the kingdom, then that information can make its way down into our logical mind, our ego mind, right? We get this, like the glimpse or the glimmer, you know, like when you're in the shower and you're completely relaxed and you're not really thinking about anything. And then all of a sudden you get this amazing idea and that idea comes, moves all the way through you. But then your logical mind is like, oh, that'll never happen because da, 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 da. Or the critical mind, oh, you can't do that because da, 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 right? And we talk ourselves out of our dreams all the time. But what if we didn't? What if we said, you know what? This does feel a little bit uncomfortable and I'm going to go with it. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to see what happens and take one little tiny step and see what reveals itself. Our ego mind always wants the A to Z right? We want to know what are all the steps? What's every single uh, path that I've got to take to get from here to there? I want to know the return on the investment. I want to know how long it's going to take. I want to know what the exit plan is, right? That's our logical ego mind that wants all of those safety precautions built in before we're willing to take a risk. But in my experience, the way in which I have moved myself through some big, big, massive things in my life is one step at a time, 
one little step out of where I am resets the landscape so that after I take that step, everything then looks different. And I have a whole new set of options before me that didn't exist two steps back. Does it make sense? Absolutely. And, and it's, it's those little steps, I think, you know, you talk about, we all talk about kind of transformation and awakenings and enlightenments, and all these kind of big words, but actually yeah. they happen a little, little bit at a time. Yes. And, you know, all we have to do is do something different. And if we don't like it, if it doesn't work, then we, we go back and we go, actually, no, I, I've learned something. I learned I don't like that. And I'm going to try something else. But it's that, it's that trying, it's that kind of breaking the patterns and doing something new, even if it's just salsa classes or one salsa class or even Googling salsa classes, you know, just do something, really just take a little step. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're a salsa teacher and you, you've got a string of salsa classes you know all across the city or whatever it is but it only starts with one one small thing but that's there's there's a kind of saying i think it was um a guy called uh i want to say red adair but i think he was the firefighter but um it's uh everything you want is on the other side of fear yeah. and, but i think really it's everything you want is on the other side of courage mm. if you can summon up the courage to do something you know just just one little step yeah courage there you go that's the thing it's like it's it's a superpower isn't it it's um and it's you know we're, we're kind of kept afraid i think yes you know it's like we, we have these kind of rigid systems that we we fall into from you know we have our schools the education is provided to us we have a, a kind of roadmap through our career this is what you know people before you have done and this is what you need to do you need to you know, go to school, go to college, get a job, go to university, whatever it is, work your way through these predetermined steps. And everything out of that is risky and scary and foolhardy. And, you know, it's, it's the unknown, but it, you don't need to kind of leap, you know, hundred percent into the void. You could just kind of pick up a book or do an online course or whatever it needs to be, but just do something different. Do something different. Absolutely. And, you know, and this is kind of clearly you've done so many things different that they've built up into these kind of huge things now. Um, so tell, tell us about the book, the, you know, original wisdom, harness the power of the authentic you. What, what does it give to people who read it? What's the, um, what's the kind of, what are yeah. they going to discover? Well, it's a little bit of a roadmap to be yeah. honest. Um, you know, it is my journey of how I left corporate America and found my way as a very successful coach. Um, and it, it outlines all of my little steps and, um, you know, the real framework of the book, it's a teaching memoir and you're going to get some spiritual psychology principles in it. Um, original wisdom is the inherent intelligence in all of us that is rooted in loving. So, you know, my focus as a coach is really helping people to align themselves, put their, their awareness and their attention more on this part of their being that most of us don't even recognize, you know, most of us make it all the way through our whole life and don't even acknowledge that we have 
a higher part of our being that we that we have this authentic self this soul essence that is the energetic part of our being and what this book helps you do is step your way through the how how do you make contact with that part of your beingness and once you do how do you get your ego on board with all of the illogical uh things that your soul will call you into i mean that's that's difficult isn't it because i mean i'm a, I'm a great believer in getting quiet you know and finding time to meditate or just take some yeah. quiet time you know to go and do something go for a walk or something like that but the way we we are conditioned, there's always something to think about, always a, a distraction or a worry or, you know, something from the past that's bothering us, something, our to-do list or the mortgage payments or something like that. It's no small thing to just get quiet with ourselves and, you know, pay attention to what's going on beneath all of that, all of that kind of hubbub in our heads. So how do we, how do we get started? Well, Chris, you said it. I mean, we have to get quiet and um, you know, it's incredible the number of clients that I work with and the number of people that I meet that really are afraid to get quiet. They're afraid to get quiet because they don't, they're so unfamiliar with what they're going to find. You know, there's, I think maybe there's a little bit of fear there in what they're going to discover when they really slow down and really get quiet. And meditation is a great first step. Um, breathing is a great first step, right? Just slowing down to connect with our breath can really help somebody get very present very quickly and um, step back and away from the constant mental activity and the constant uh, chatter that is going on in our minds. Um, in the first chapter of my book, I talk about getting some sort of a stillness practice, whether that's meditation, whether that's just sitting there listening to yourself breathe, even if it's just for five minutes, because it's the only way we can let in the information that is waiting to make contact with us. I think it was Apollinaire who said sometime around the 1600s, you know, all of man's problems come from his inability to sit quietly in a room on his own. Mm. And I think there's a great truth in that. Um, and, but, you know, Nietzsche said, I'm a, I'm a great one for quotes and things like that. I love but, it. I love it. <laughs> but Nietzsche said, you know, don't look too long into the void, lest the, the void look into you, you know, mm. and it can be scary. I, I know people who tried meditation and they didn't like what they found. So they vowed never to go there again. Um, but I mean, you said it was painful when you talked about the kind of the falling away of your, your ego and your identity how can we, how can we find the courage that we, we were talking about before to just mm. kind of brave those demons that might come up who are guarding the gold that we're, we're trying yeah. to get to? Well, gosh, you know, being really gentle 
with ourselves, I think is so underplayed. Being compassionate with ourselves, being accepting of ourselves and our emotions and our humanness. And, you know, you can kind of think about it like self-parenting in a way. What if I could develop a relationship with myself where I could be the one who shows up as the warm hug, or I can be the one that shows up with that tenderness and that compassion uh, and a deep level of acceptance for whatever the mistakes are that I think that I've made or whatever the judgments are that I might be caught up in about myself. I think part of the reason why we don't want to slow down and we can't go within and face these parts of ourselves is because we've made them wrong. We've demonized ourselves, right? And we, um, we've made ourselves wrong. So if we can put that down and bring in some kindness, bring in some, some empathy for the human journey and the epic path that we all walk, every single person on this planet, right? Every single one of us, we make these epic human journeys. And we should be in awe of that and hold our pain with reverence in a way in which, well, I'm going to quote Drs. Ron and Mary Holnick again. Healing is the application of loving to the places inside that hurt. So when we can bring our own loving to the parts of us that we've made wrong or to the parts of us that are in pain, a miraculous thing happens and those pains dissolve in that moment. But we've got to do it, right? We've got to be the one to do it. We've got to be willing to sit with ourselves and say, hey, I know you were doing the best that you could in that situation. And it's okay. You know, it's okay that our, uh, the results fell short of our aspirations. It's okay. It's, um, I think loving ourselves is one of the hardest things because we are, you know, and maybe it's a, a societal cultural trend, but you know, we, we are racked with shame and guilt and disappointment. You know, we didn't get the grades at school. We didn't get the promotion. We weren't good enough. We weren't nice enough to that person who we bumped into in the street. We haven't achieved enough. We've, we've not been a good enough person. So much going on to make us feel unworthy of that, that love and that compassion. But when we do start to practice it, how do we ensure that we're not letting ourselves off the hook? And that we mm. still keep pushing forwards and, and bringing enough discipline to actually kind of change, change those kind of parts of us that we don't want to hang on to anymore and, and kind of do away with that and keep, keep doing the good work to, to make things better. 
and not just yeah. kind of become complacent and, and lazy, if you like. Yeah, I love your question. Um, a couple things come to mind. The, the first is that I don't know that it's really our ego mind that is capable of doing this loving in the way in which we imagine. But I do know that our authentic self can because our, our authentic self is comprised of love as we understand it in our humanness. And so when we can get quiet enough to allow our authentic self to be in the equation and to be the anchor of love that's being brought to our humanness, what happens in a moment like that is we then begin to witness our journey from a higher place, from a higher level of consciousness, if you will, in which we then understand why, you know, we got to where we got to, or we made the decision that we did, or we, you know, took action in the way that we did. But because we're now seeing it through the lens of pure, unconditional loving, it's almost like a reset where we then know we can make a different choice going forward. But we can't make that choice to go forward until we're willing to come into acceptance for where we are. And so in that process, when we can bring in the higher self, the authentic self, to do the loving, to bring in that unbridled compassion for the human experience, something miraculous happens in that moment. And that is what cleanses the lens that allows us to take a step forward in a different direction. It sounds a lot like the surrender you were talking about at the beginning, you know, this, mm. this kind of acceptance. It, it doesn't need, you know, because when you think about loving and and love, you think about kind of holding on, holding on to this thing that you're 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 loving. But actually, it can be very freeing. And you know, instead of kind of looking back on all those decisions that you made um, and thinking, "Oh, why did I do that? Oh, I'm such a fool," or whatever it is, actually letting go of all of that in with compassion, saying, "Thank you. I'm I'm done with that." And I'm accepting where I am because all of these things have enabled me to get where I am now. And it's only from where I am now that I can make any choice to move forward tomorrow. And I guess that's, that's where that kind of surrender comes in, that, that compassion. I think John Kabat-Zinn, who's um, quite a well-known kind of figure in, in mindfulness, he talks about, um, you know, being aware of where we are right now, but non-judgmentally. So don't attach any kind of guilt to it or shame to it, or just just be, because you can't work on it until you're free of all of that. And that there is that kind of radical acceptance. Yes. But it's difficult, isn't it? We're very judgmental people. We judge yeah. ourselves. We kind of think, oh, life's unfair. Oh, what, what an idiot I am. Oh, if only I'd studied harder. If only I'd, you know, been less 
mean or you know worked harder to make make more money or whatever it is you know we're often kind of down on ourselves down on the world and that's a it's a, a very difficult thing to let go of well and, th and that's when we're in our ego mind because the authentic self sees everything as neutral sees everything as neutral and and this is really difficult for our ego minds to sort of get our heads around right but from the ego mind uh we're trapped in the polarity of the good the bad the right the wrong the up the down the authentic self sees everything with complete equanimity with complete neutrality um you know to quote rumi out beyond the idea of right doing and wrongdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. And that's really where the authentic self can come in because the love that I'm talking about is not uh, the holding on to gripping sort of uh, ego love that we might apply in a relationship or, you know, this is a love that is much bigger than that, that sees everything with complete neutrality. Is there a danger that when you, when you do align with something that, that intrinsic self, that, that um, authentic self that is neutral, that you will lose the judgment, but you could also lose the joy. Or do you think that's just not at all possible? Yeah, I don't think it's possible because the authentic self, really a, a derivative of the composition of the authentic self is the joy. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the work of Dr. David Hawkins, who wrote Power Versus Force. Um, he, he proved through uh, kinesiology that all of our emotions have a vibratory frequency to them. And the emotions of shame and guilt and apathy and hate are all sort of lower frequency, heavy, dense emotions on this scale that he so brilliantly created. Emotions such as love um, vibrate quite high on his scale. So think about, you know, musical notes and how musical notes have, you have low notes and high notes. We have low frequency emotions and high frequency emotions. And love as a high frequency emotion is right up there with peace and joy and these are all derivatives of the energy of our authentic self. So when we're really residing in that place of the authentic self, we are a natural emanation of all of these other derivatives because that's like the composition of what we're talking about. In, um, in Zen, they say, you know, before enlightenment, chop wood, fetch water. After enlightenment, after enlightenment chop, chop wood, wood, fetch water. <laughs> yeah. So after you've kind of, you've done this work and you've put in the, the hard 
effort to kind of strip away all this kind of negative baggage that you've accumulated over years of trauma and experience and cultural programming and all the rest of it and you are in that kind of place where you're much more aligned and you're you're starting off on that road to kind of reshape your life much more in tune with who you really are there are still things you have to attend to in the real world you know um you still have to do the laundry you still have to pay the bills you still have to turn up every day and you know obey the rules of the land and and the rest of it pay your taxes how different is it when you're in that that kind of place of alignment i mean is everything sparkling and glittering and you know birds singing and you know the rest of it or is it or is it much of the same How, how does it feel to be in that place of alignment um well i want to say two things to you i want to say first of all that as long as we're in these human bodies you know the journey never really ends and it doesn't matter i believe it doesn't matter um how far high we go in consciousness there's always another lap around the spiral so it's like we live in an ever expanding universe and the universe is always expanding. And so we are always expanding within the context of that. And we want to make things linear in our mind. We want there to be a clear beginning and a clear end. And I don't believe that there is a clear beginning or a clear end. I think that growth, healing, expansion, everything happens in a spiral. So we take another lap around that spiral and we might go up a little and we might go out a little, but the point is you're still gonna take another lap around the spiral. And so as long as we're in these human bodies, there is no destination that we're ever gonna arrive to. There just isn't. And um, I can remember being in line to get gas at Costco and I remember there, there wasn't, I didn't have the radio on. I was just sitting there waiting to get gas and steeping in my own joy. And I remember having this moment of gratitude that, and the mental awareness that I am happy for no particular reason. I am happy for no particular reason. And the freedom and the glory in that is pretty fantastic. So I do believe that there are these uh, ways of being that we get to bathe ourselves in that are these, this sense of elation, the sense of joy, the sense of peacefulness and being able to see the world through a lens that says it all makes sense. You know, all the pain, all the trauma, all the disappointments, all the everything, like it all makes sense. Um, I think we have both, Chris. I think, I think in the, in the truest sense, you know, we are spiritual beings, on this epic human journey. We are both, we are both spiritual and we are human. And so we ebb and flow back and forth between those two states. And I think that's why we're here. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's a practice, isn't it? It's something, it's not just something you you flick a switch, you read the books, you do the, do the kind of 
rituals and the exercises, and then suddenly you're in that space. But it's it's a practice. It's something you keep doing and yes. turning up to every day. Yes. I, on my own journey, I, I very much um, saw how the changes that took place inside me impacted on my experience of the world around me and yes. therefore my circumstances, you know, yeah. and, and it's, uh, it's, it's a very strange thing how quickly my life started to change in a very real and physical measurable way when my kind of perspective on, on life and how I turned up and, and showed up for life changed. How, I mean, from your own personal experience, how did your real world change when you started to change on the inside and, and, you know, embrace this new way of thinking and being. Yeah. The same, right? Like my physical circumstances uh, began to improve around me effortlessly and naturally. But I also want to say that the law of magnetic attraction is going on, whether we choose to recognize that or not. So when I am seeing things as more loving, I am receiving more love. Like it, what we give out is what we get back. The world is a mirror to the material that we hold in our consciousness. So, you know, you and I can both walk into the same room together and I can say, oh my God, this is the most beautiful room I've ever been in in my life. And I love the ceiling and the floor and the furniture and the windows treatments. And you can walk in and you can say, this is for crap, I hate all of it, right? But the, but the truth is we're in the same, same room and this is how it is in the world. We're all here in the same world and how we choose to perceive things and interpret things and, and navigate our way through things um, is going to influence how we experience things. And the more our understanding of our experience is positive, and this is really the beauty of spiritual psychology because it's a technology that teaches us that everything that's happening in our world is happening for our growth, our learning, our expansion, our evolution. So it's like, I don't see my trials and tribulations as life is against me or life's hurting me or life's beating me up. I see it as, wow, this is my next level of growth. And how lucky am I? Yeah, there's a, there's a quote, and it's often attributed to Einstein, but pretty much 90% of quotes on, in the world out there are, are attributed to Einstein. So whether or not he said it, I don't know. <laughs> but, but he said, you know, the big question we need to ask ourselves is whether we believe the universe is friendly or not. Yeah. And you know, people scratch their heads and, and they kind of say, well, how, how on earth is the universe friendly or not? And it's like, that, that's not the point. It's the, it's the question we have to ask ourselves. Because if we, if we decide that the universe is friendly, then we're going to see a friendly universe. But if we decide it's hostile, then we'll see a hostile universe. And it's the same with how we go into the world. If we go into the world with a smile on our face, sometimes people are going to smile back. But if we go around it, you know, slamming doors and, you know, in a foul mood, we'll get more of that back. And that's a, that's a real simplification of things. But, you know, if we, if we see the world as safe, enticing and alive, it will become safe, enticing and alive. If we see, you know, if we open ourselves up for those clear paths ahead that you were talking about, then they will start to 
present themselves to us and, and we'll find them and, and you know letting go of this need for certainty and yeah. just you know seeing what is available to us out there is a, is a hugely powerful thing I think and but a hugely difficult thing but I think with the help of people like you and your book and, and these kind of things and these conversations we're having I think there's a chance that you know one or two people might be able to you know embrace that a little bit and that's quite exciting I think it's quite exciting yeah so if people want to find out more about you and your book and where they can get their hands on kind of you know some of what you're some of what you're selling if you like yeah. where, where can they go uh donnabond.com and you know my books of course available on amazon and all the major retailers and i recently uh published the audio and so I want to recommend the audio because you get all of my quirky inflections and the energy transmission that's going to come through the audio. Um, so you can find that on Amazon, on Audible. Fantastic. And if you, if you had one piece of advice just to send out into the world to someone who was listening to the first time and thought, I, I need a transformation. I need my world to be, I need to turn myself around and turn my world around. What could it be to get people started? Play on your own team, be your own best friend, acknowledge yourself for the journey that you're on and the steps that you take and play on your own team. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's a very powerful practice and a very powerful message. So I'm ever so grateful for your time today. Likewise. Thank you so much, Chris. So there you go, that was a fantastic Donna Bond. As I mentioned before, you can find out more about Donna and her work at DonnaBond.com. And her book again is Original Wisdom, Harness the Power of the Authentic You. Definitely worth a read if you want to live a life much more in alignment. Find out more about this podcast, Conversations on Living, and uh, you know previous episodes and also my writings, meditations, things like that at uh, conversationsonliving.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and in the meantime, I uh, hope you have a lovely day. Thank you.